You've committed me to holding elections within the year. Madam President, with respect, you're serving out the remainder of President Adar's term. When that term is up in seven months, the law says there's an election. I only committed you to obeying the law. You were not you're authorized like to some make kind of a deal. lawyer. I swore an oath to defend the articles. The articles say there's an election in seven months. Now, if you're telling me we're throwing out the law, then I'm not a captain, you're not a commander, and you are not the president, and I don't owe either of you a damned explanation for anything. Hi, and welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. I'm Jason. I'm Red. And this week we are discussing Battlestar Galactica Episode 3. What'd you think what of the episode? episode. I, I thought it was good. You like There's that? Only, the, the big problem it had with it was this character development, but it was good. <laughs> there was quite a bit of character development. You actually did get to see quite a... Quite a bit of character development. You got to see what the three main characters in this show right now are Rosalind, uh, Commander Adama, and Apollo. And you did really get to see behind the scenes on how they think and and their philosophies in terms of leadership and government. Right. Yeah, the main focus. The main focus of this episode was uh, basically choosing sides and how society is going to go after the Cylon attack. Right. And they, and they, uh, they found some water. They did find water and they need to find some labor to get that water up. That's true. So last episode, they did find water because of course they can't make their own, which is still a sticking point for me, but I'll I'll get over that. So no, you really won't, but go ahead. (laughs) And the problem that they have with the water that they found is that the liquid water is too salty. It's it's basically seawater, 13% uh, sodium chloride. So uh, the water that they are able to consume is frozen water, but they're going to have to thaw that water out before they can bring it up to the Galactica. And that's going to take a lot of manpower. Fortunately, they have a ship full of manpower. They have a They have a transport ship that's full of prisoners it's a prison transport ship and Adama says let's use those guys Rosalind's got a problem with using them without their consent so she doesn't want to use the prisoners as slaves which I totally agree with Um, and Apollo which is her military advisor and really just one of her advisors He, he advises her on more than just military matters at this point He says, well, why don't we have them volunteer? Everybody who wants to help with the water extraction off of the planet can earn points towards their freedom. Rosalind's all for this. Uh, She tasks Apollo to go over to the ship, propose this to the prisoners, and he takes a couple of people to, to help him out with that. Um, one of them is D. Uh, the other is the president's secretary. I can't remember his name. Um, and the third is 
the chief's assistant. Oh, what is her name? Starts with an S. You know, I can't remember. Yeah, neither can I. It'll come to me. But so they head over. Apollo makes his proposal to the prisoners once they get over to the ship. And nobody takes him up on his offer. Uh, One person steps out of his cell and says, we appreciate your offer, but we politely refuse. That person ends up being Zarek. So Zarek's background is he's what some term a terrorist, what some term a freedom fighter. Uh, And he's been basically a political prisoner for the last 20 years. Apparently he's uh, incited some violence on his colony, which is Sagittarius, right? Yes, he's Sagittarian, as is D. Yeah, so D is also Sagittarian. And he incited violence, got thrown in jail 20 years before the events of this episode took place. He was actually offered a pardon by the president if he just would apologize for his uh, incitement of violence back in the past. And Callie Henderson. Callie, yes, Callie. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so it, it's it's not an S, it's a C. Uh, where was I? Oh, so the president offered a pardon. All he had to do was apologize and propose that political change be nonviolent in the future. He refused, so he's still a political prisoner. It looks like he's got the entire prison ship on his side. He's probably a very charismatic leader. Um, and yeah, basically, Apollo goes over there, has no volunteers. And then we cut over to Occupied Caprica, where we get to see uh, a brief moment of Hilo and Not Boomer. So Not Boomer apparently does not like rats. Um, they, come across, they come across a body uh, with a bunch of rats gnawing on it, and she looks like she's about to hurl. Uh, Hilo shoots a rat for sport. I'm not exactly sure what the hell that scene was all about. Um, I think he was just basically showing he's the man. Look how I can take care of this. Right, right. But yeah, we get a we get a very brief scene of. Hilo and not Boomer on on Caprica. Um, there's a couple of other Cylons, Six and uh, the Cylon that they kicked off of the Battlestar Galactica earlier in the season, uh, watching them. And Six comments that she's she's doing really well in her acting as as part of the the Galactica crew. So. So at this point, we know that Not Boomer is is a Cylon agent for sure, which we kind of already gleaned, right? Yeah. Cut back over to the prison ship, and one of the guards is helping the prisoners escape. So there's going to be a prison break. One of the guards is on the prisoner's side. Actually, he was recruited by Zarek, um, and he releases the guards, takes over the ship, uh, takes uh, the other guards as well as the Galactica crew uh, hostage. What I thought was really funny was that he thought that he could bargain with Rosalind and Adama. Mm-hmm. So they're on a ship with no weapons. They have some small arms on the ship. 
but what what was he going to do? I mean, sure, he's got Adama's son, but we already know by now that Adama is pretty much a commander first, and he's not going to let personal... He's not going to let personal conflicts get in the way of his overall mission, right? Correct. So I don't think that he could have bargained Apollo. I don't think that... Well, Rosalind's flat out stated that she wasn't going to negotiate with him. Um, I think that if he had pushed it and if the team that stormed the prison ship to... Uh, quell the uprising hadn't succeeded. I think they would have just blown it up. Well, and that's also something he had taken into consideration. And he was saying if they did do that, it would cause such problems in the fleet that it would ultimately cause the fleet to self-destruct. True. True. So that that's, the, that's his bargaining point. It's not the hostages. The hostages were just a cause for pause. He was trying to get them to look at the bigger picture, you know, listen to my demands or take your inevitable action against us. And that will result in you losing complete control over your fleet. Right. Which I think brings into a larger issue. The bigger question is, how are they going to operate this fleet? Is it going to be this quasi quorum thing or is it going to be under military control yeah and and that's one of the major themes of the episode right is Mm -hmm. you know making these decisions you're you're basically choosing sides and that's that's the major theme throughout the entire episode um which we will talk about shortly so we also get a scene with adama and gaius Uh, adama asks gaius you know have you where's where's my cylon detector and hmm. Gaius is uh, shitting kittens about this point because he doesn't have a Cylon detector. He's never had a Cylon detector, and he's stalled so long that Adama's not buying his bullshit anymore. He basically looks at him and says, cut your bullshit. Do you have a detector or not? And Gaius actually fesses up and says, no, I don't have a detector. It's an impossible task. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And O is imaginary six pissed yeah yeah so imaginary six gets so pissed that her eyes change color scares the shit out of by out of baltar and she says look you're either gonna tell him what i tell you to tell him or else and so she basically tells gaius to tell adama that he needs one of his nuclear warheads adama is really taken aback by this because he reveals that and I'm not sure he really should have revealed this to Gaius. I know that Gaius is part of the inner circle and 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 part of basically the the executive management of this this whole fleet. But telling him that there's only five nuclear warheads left seems kind of a breach of protocol and security and but my opinion. No, I agree, yeah. So I think Gaius's subconscious slash imaginary six was put in a really precarious predicament. And he basically talked himself through that in his own head. 
Because he said he didn't actually need the warhead, he just needed the plutonium in the warhead. And then he, on the fly, devises an actual way to create a Cylon detector by taking the plutonium, putting it in a carbon nanotube matrix, and that's able to detect some of the synthetic chemicals that the Cylons use. So Adama is going to give him a warhead to do it. Okay. Now... I'm interested to see what actually happens with that warhead, if he actually creates a Cylon detector or if uh, something happens and his imaginary six brain tries to blow up the ship. I'm, I'm interested at this point, so they, they've got me. Good, good. Oh. Well, it, it does get definitely interesting off of a couple of different things. Good to know, good to know. Yeah, this episode sets the tone for several episodes. In fact, I dare say the whole water thing was basically just the genesis for this episode. Well, they could have done that better. Yeah. That that water episode was horrible. <laughs> but yeah, that but you know, at this point the ultimate question is who's in charge of the fleet? Yeah. Cuz I personally think they're doing it all wrong. <laughs> I think they should make it real evident that you people are Breeding stock. Right. And you're going to get what we give you, and you're going to be appreciative of it. And if that's an issue, oh, well. So you're leaning more towards a totalitarian regime in space? At this point in time, they don't have the luxury for democracy. Is there ever a time to have the luxury of democracy? Is, is democracy a luxury? Yes. Mm, I disagree. But let's let's finish this summary before we really dig into that. In this, and I'm just well, I'm just letting you know. In this, in this universe, in this show, it is definitely it is definitely a luxury. It bites them in the butt more often than it ever helps them. So we get some boomer freakout time because we can't have an episode without boomer freaking out. Uh, she's freaking out over the. Over the detonators, uh, Chiefs tells her it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, and then Ty comes and tells her that she needs to cut her romance off with the chief. Everybody knows about it and that they don't have the luxury of shirking protocol anymore. We get to see Starbuck as a CAG officer and uh, watch her do this tiny little comedy routine. Uh, she'll probably stick to piloting. Her and Ty go after it, or go at it a couple more times. Um, she actually really uh, kind of extends a an olive branch towards the end of the episode, and Ty. I don't know if Ty was trying to playfully bat it away, or if he just really is a humongous dick and just shut her down. But I'm going to lean towards the latter. Hmm. And well, at, this, at this point in time, you really aren't supposed to know. And then the, um, and then the rescue teams from the Galactica take back over the ship. Adama promises uh, Zarek his elections. Uh, Apollo and Rosalind have a heart to heart. She reveals that she has cancer, and roll credits. There you go. So yeah, the major major theme of this episode is choosing sides. 
what are we going to do with democracy? And I really, I really thought Apollo hit it on the head here. He said, look, I was, I, I made an oath to defend the articles, which is, I guess, their version of the Constitution. It is. And in those articles, it says that there will be elections. And if you guys are choosing to ignore the articles or throw them out the window, then I don't over either one of you. And he's talking to Adama and Rosalind at this point. Goes, I don't off. I don't owe either one of you an explanation because I'm not a captain. You're not a commander, and you're not a president. We're just people. So either way, I don't have to defend myself because I'm already doing either what I promised I was going to do, or I don't owe you shit. Pretty much. And I think he was right. I think he was right in doing what he did. I think. Uh, I think in order for them to be able to function as a society, whether it be a fugitive society or not, they need to at least continue most of the norms that they are used to. And that means giving the people a, a voice in what they're going to do in the future. What if they make a bad choice? Well, then they have to live with that choice, but it's still or not. Choice. Well, they right. may not live, but it's it's still in their hands. I mean, they make good choices, they make bad choices, they live by the choices they make. If those choices end up, you know, with the annihilation of of their civilization or their you know their species, then so be it. But I, I'm of the opinion that I would rather die by the choices I make than live by the choices someone else makes. Sure. I concur with that. But you weren't earlier. You were saying totalitarian regime. No, I'm talking me. I'm not talking to society. Oh. I'm talking me. I think I make pretty good choices. Okay. But there's plenty of examples where people collectively do not make good choices. They're easily swayed. They don't see the bigger picture. Why do you think that is? I think, well, one of the things that really, you know, gets me in a craw in, in our real world is when I'm not giving, I'm not given access to all the necessary information to make a good choice. And I'm told the reason I'm not given this information is because it's classified. It's a state secret. We can't tell you this because then we'd have to tell you that. We're not going to tell you that. So you can't know this. Need to know basis. I hate that crap. So, I mean, you're, you're already tying an arm behind me. And I find that to be very difficult. And, you know, there are certain times when we are not able to enjoy the luxury of democracy, say something like this situation with them, uh, the aftermath of a, 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 a horrible tragedy, like a natural disaster, you know, a tsunami, hurricane, you know, the people, they don't like what's going on. Well, I should be able to still do this and this. Well, you can't right now because we have to prioritize and we have 
things that fall into place, mechanisms that start moving and rolling. And until these machinations are completed, we cannot reestablish the veil of civility that we had prior to said disaster. I don't think they've secured things enough to where the fleet can be in a position to have the democracy that they're pushing for. I think it's a bit premature. But they weren't calling, or Apollo wasn't calling for immediate elections. He was basically saying when the current president's term is up in seven months, they would have the elections. You don't think seven months is enough time to stabilize what they need to do? I think they should have a wait-and-see attitude, see what's going on. But how long do you wait and see? Well, I I would use that seven month as a mark, and if everything's going okay, then you proceed forward. But if they're suddenly being attacked again every 33 minutes, we're not going to have the elections. No, and that would be an extenuating circumstance where you may postpone the elections. Exactly. But exactly. You I have mean, they, to, could, they could have another water issue. Yeah, but you have to make, you have to draw a line in the sand. You have to say, okay, in seven months, we're going to have an election. Now, that's not to say that there's not going to be something that maybe postpones the elections because everything is in flux at this point. But mm-hmm. you can't say that, okay, we're just going to feel it out and see how it goes because those in power do not like giving up their power. Oh, of course not. And if but you don't make is- if you don't make a choice, if you don't say at this point we're going to do X, then that point will never come. There will always be an excuse to push it. Right, but this is also a unique set of circumstances in the fact that this isn't humanity is is hanging by a thread. And humanity itself has become a finite resource, extremely finite. True. And they have to try and look at a larger picture of humanity as a whole. Right now, they're still, you know, on the trail of tears. You know, you need to get to your destination, I think, would be the time to start saying, okay, we're going to begin trying to establish our society and our infrastructure You know, I I can see them uh, having different roles delegated to civilian authority to ease the burden on the military so they can just focus on the military aspects of their mission. But to enjoy all of the, the, the fruits of democracy within the fleet is overly optimistic. Well, what fruits of democracy would you deny the people? Well, you'll find as they get further into the series, there's other issues that come up. For example, I don't like the ship I'm on. I want to go to the other ship. You know, There's another ship in the fleet that's got larger quarters or has better air conditioning or whatever. And say, well... Um, we're not going to be able to do that right now because of the expense it would take in time and resources to get you from here to there and moving everybody around. You know, even if it's not so much an improvement, uh, maybe physically for the individual, they just want to be near somebody that they know. You know, they want to start trying to maybe have ships that are set up based upon this is a Gemini ship, this is a Torrin ship. 
Um, and they're like, no, we, we, we don't have the time for this. This is ridiculous. We're going to just, everybody's going to stay where they're at. We're going to make the best of what we can and move forward. But once, once they set down this path, it, it opens up a Pandora's box for the rest of the series, this episode, yeah, based but, upon the elections. So, again, I don't know what their articles guarantee as rights to their citizenry. It's pretty much but, like the United States. But I don't know of anything in the Constitution that says I have the right to move to another state without the means to do so. Well, and see, they want to try and have these things established. They want a monetary system. They want jobs. They want benefits. And really, at the moment, it's this is a welfare state. Everybody is getting their rations and their portion based upon the effort and the benevolence of those who do have the power on the Galactica. Right. And then the Galactic comes in, and there are certain ships that are better equipped for the journey than others, and they move in, and they take away resources and distribute those amongst the fleet, which those people say, hey, this is wrong. You know, this is our stuff. We planned better. Screw them. They're like, no, you're going to be a part of the fleet. We're all going to pitch in. We're all going to share. And they're like, well, who are you to say what gets shared? I want a representative from my ship, from my from my position, to be on a committee that can decide who gets what and how much. And it really slows everything down. Yeah, it, uh, nobody's saying that democracy isn't messy. And it costs lives. It very well could. Oh, no, it does. <laughs> Trust. <laughs> it does. And they vacillate back and forth. There, there are you know, different episodes where the fleet's a lot more democratic. There are episodes where they're like, you know what, we're, we're clamping down. We're not doing this any longer. And the, uh, I think it's interesting that you bring up the totalitarian aspect because that is going to be coming to the fore fairly soon. I mean, I, I, I don't think I'm speaking totalitarian more as, as I'm, I'm saying at this point in time, we're not even, you know, halfway through the first season. You know, they can still see Caprica in the rearview mirror, essentially. And, and they're wanting to, well, what about these elections? And what about, you know, my basic right to blah, blah, blah? It's like, you know, dude, the sun hasn't even set on the first week. Come on. Give it some time. Don't, don't get your, don't get your, your bonnet in a bunch. But, the uh, there's some new things that are going to be introduced that really bring about a totalitarian aspect to it. And believe me, what I'm mentioning is not totalitarian. This is just FEMA. I'm talking FEMA right now. It's not totalitarian. It's just damage control. Um, there, there are things once the fleet gets more established and they get you know their resources lined up and stuff. Absolutely, I'm all for it. But at this point in time, it's just premature. And well, it, we'll it may be somewhat premature to actually initiate elections and representative republic. But I think discussing it and planning for it, I don't think that's premature. No, not at all. Not at all. And I think that's all they're doing at this point. Well, but see, that's what I was saying, though. Zarek was wanting it immediately. 
it was Apollo that came forward and said, okay, let's just get us a game plan. We're going to table this for now, but we do have a light at the end of the tunnel. Right, right. And that's he, he did it right. He was the balancing aspect of this. Yeah. And I think he did a great job of it. I think because, I think Apollo was basically the voice of reason in this. Because Rosalind was even completely wrong. You know, she keeps coming across espousing herself as the voice of democracy and everything. But even she, she didn't want to give up her power. Who else was going to do this? Right. You know, and she didn't like the idea of anybody else challenging her authority. Sure. Like I said, when people in, when people get power, they are loath to give that up. Absolutely. But yeah, it sets the tone for some really good stuff. I think you're really going to enjoy what they do with Apollo over the next couple of seasons. He's he's turning out to be a, a really complex character, so they're, they're doing well on him. He is. Adama's keeping on basically his same track as the career military person. Oh, he um, does. Roslyn is our our kind of conscientious and thoughtful I don't know I don't know how she's the Gaia of the fleet <laughs> I'm not sure Gaia is... oh she will believe you me she, she's a very nurturing character and the one character you didn't bring up that was brought into the fore on this on this episode that I just fell in love with is Doc Coddle or no, that's no, 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 no. That's next episode. Sorry, next episode. <laughs> Doc Coddle. Spoiler alert! Thanks. Spoiler, Doctor Coddle. You get yeah, to meet so the ship's doctor. She does mention him. She she asks Adama um, if they have a doctor, and he says, "Yeah, he's he's out among the fleet right now." Well, she's got sinuses. Thing. There's allergies. Just yeah, pollen. there's allergies. She's she it's needs pollen. some she needs some spray. Um, it's got you know industrial size allergies in the form of cancer tumors but yeah I'm, I'm already getting anxious for the next episode I'm sorry <laughs> yeah Coddle's great but no this is good and I really enjoyed seeing the original Apollo Richard Hatch yeah yeah I, Richard I hate Hatch that he's no longer with us yeah he, was, he, he, was he died really a few awesome. years back right yeah he uh, as I recall uh, I want to say it was pancreatic cancer oh uh. That's awful. Yeah, but it's fast most of the time. So if you got to get something, you don't want to linger. But yeah, he uh, I thought he did a really good job. He did more depth of acting in this one episode than he did in the entire season of the original Battlestar. But he's aged well. He's a hell of an actor. It was good to see him. I know a lot of people... The, the the Canaanites like myself, a lot of us were upset when we saw he was on there as a turncoat because for, you know, a couple of decades he'd been trying to get Battlestar off the ground again on his own. And he did have some really neat stuff on YouTube. He had a real good, it was like a 10 or 11 minute little trailer that he had put out for what's going to go on with the colonial fleet and everything. But he was picking up right after Battlestar Galactica 1980. He was picking up on that, kind of like 1980 had never happened, but in 1980, they did discover Earth. Yeah, really, they should have picked up on if 1980 never happened. I've, That's pretty much what he did. I've seen some of those episodes, and yeah, they're as was, bad as water. 
he was still playing himself in his show, in his uh, reimagining. But, you know, there were a couple of decent episodes on the 1980. I thought the first one wasn't bad in the initial episode. Again, I've only seen those in, like, syndication, so it's been a while, too. But yeah. the few that I've caught, no, those were awful. Okay. The motorcycles? Come on. What? This is also came out, you know, pre-Miami Vice, I mean. Yeah, but the motorcycles? Yeah, the motorcycles were pretty cheesy. I mean, the only... The, the cheesiest motorcycle I think I've ever seen was the motorcycle in that horrible Captain America film where, you know, he put the the see-through shield on as the windshield, and these oh. were worse. Uh, these were worse than that. I think they were actually Kawasaki's. I don't know what they were, but they were awful. But yeah, there were some interesting interesting things brought up in that series that I that that I think they could have done better. But really, you know, totally different spin there. But yeah, Richard Hatch, he he did an excellent job. We're going to get to see his character multiple times. So uh So he's a re- recurring he's, character. He's recurring. He is recurring. Good. For a while. For a while, then he disappears and he kind of comes back, you know. Like I said, the fleet does settle into a more uh, regular state of normalcy. But initially, right now, they're just, they're just scrambling. Like you said, you know, they're still trying to figure out this whole water thing. <laughs> but no, I thought it was really good. It brought to, it brought to bear some issues that I think is really neat that sci-fi uh, shows in general are able to bring up some of the different aspects of our humanity and what we have going on uh, in our world. Um, people like to, they say they want a say in things. And then so often when they're given that opportunity, they deny themselves of it until it's taken. Right. And then so many times when they do avail themselves of that privilege, they make bad choices. And we see the results of that in several episodes of the bad choices made by the people. But I still and, think it's better to give the people the opportunity to make those bad choices than have the bad choices foist upon them. Oh, yes. And we have to allow ourselves, like you say, the opportunity to bring ourselves to utter oblivion. And that's what happens. I mean, if nothing else, the series kicked off on that very thing. The colonies themselves had put themselves in a position to create the Cylon. And this is what they're getting. They're reaping the whirlwind. Right. And the Cylons themselves have already called themselves the children of humanity right after they did the rat thing. Those two Cylons, the six and that other guy were on the roof. Yeah. And that, and that the, uh, and that humanity was basically their parents and that parents, parents have, have to die. Yeah. <laughs> parents have to die. It's a little bit extreme kids. We're not encouraging you to help your parents die. 
Yeah, do please don't do take that. your parents out. No, no, no. But there are definitely some bigger things. I like how sci-fi can bring some things, you know, like racism and politics and education and law enforcement, different wow. aspects of our society and bring that to the fore within an episode. Sure, but that's basically what sci-fi has always been. It's It's been a... It's been an exploratory look at current society, even back from the golden age of, of sci-fi in the 50s uh, with Bradbury and, and Asimov. They were taking contemporary subjects and creating you know, futuristic stories out of those and exploring, you know, what if we had this problem that we're having today? Two, three hundred years in the future. What would that look like? And exactly. I think that explores the human side of that story where I don't know that we would handle that problem any differently, you know, in the far future than we do now. We may have mm -hmm. different tools to tackle those problems, but, you know, humanity is what it is. And sometimes it's dark. Uh, sometimes it's it's very hopeful and optimistic, but humans are humans, and we haven't really changed that much in philosophy or temperament in the several hundred years that, or several thousand years that we have written history. So, oh yeah, we're essentially the same as we were seven thousand years ago. Knowledge has grown, technology has expanded, but you're right. We're the same critters. I think we're more enlightened. I think we've got I think we've got better societies, more stable societies. I think uh I think we've progressed quite a bit, but I think we still face some of the same social problems that we did, you know. Oh yes. Two, three hundred years ago, if not more. Oh, yes. And people still like to find that finger to point that blame. Unfortunately, they don't like pointing it at themselves. Right. It's easier to point at a president and say, this is all your fault. Well, partly. But there's other things. What about the legislature? What are you doing to be a part of the solution? Other than sitting back comfortable eating your Hot Pocket in your living room. Hey, don't knock Hot Pockets. <laughs> Not the Hot help. Pockets' fault. No, no, no. Hot Pocket. They're tasty, but I'm just too old to be able to imbibe them anymore. <laughs> I'd rather have a good old Calzone. Calzones are good. But yeah, I mean, there's some age-old issues that still definitely come to bear. And I really enjoy the fact that, you know, we're able to take ourselves and insert through imagination and a little help from computer technology into future dystopian worlds and see how we can run a simulator on what's going on and how we can hopefully learn from it, preferably in advance. That's a, that's a tall order. I'm not sure that there will ever be a simulation that can simulate uh, human decision-making. We'll just have to see. 
But everybody sits and fantasizes what would they do in a particular situation. Yeah, humans are messy, messy creatures. Especially their thought processes. I mean, even the most logical of us act irrationally. True. Very true. Well, I think that puts a bow on this one. I think so. So... For my head lush award this episode, I think I'm giving that to Ty again. You know, somebody who wakes up in the morning and then takes a couple shots of whiskey, I think earned that head lush award. Still the champ. Still the champ. Two episodes running. Well, if it's any consolation, there's going to be a couple that come along that definitely challenge his title. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Black Lung Award for this episode goes to Starbuck, who had a small child light her cigar for her before she gave her briefing in the ready room. Have you caught his name yet? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, oh, oh, it just slipped my mind. That's Boxy. Uh, yeah, that's Boxy. You're not going to see him much. Really? Yeah. They get rid of him? Uh, he just kind of goes away. Guess he just wasn't working in the story. Wasn't yeah, just kind of there. But yeah, we have Boxy for a little bit, so there's a little homage to the original show. Yeah, I remember him from the original. And we got a lot of good shots of the prison barge. That's one of the original models. That was a good shot. So that was one of the original models that they either CG'd or used the mm-hmm. old model, repainted it. And then there's another it. one. Uh, in a few cut scenes, you'll see that it, uh, I believe they have it listed as a mining ship. And it's got three concentric discs on the horizontal that uh, was one of the original. Looking models forward to as it. Well. But yeah, it was a good episode. It redeemed the show from the last one. It would have been hard-pressed to be worse than the last one. <laughs> Although it still boggles my mind that none of the other ships other than the Galactica seems to have, you know, water recycling. Yeah, yeah. This is true. You would think that'd be pretty much old hat. You, you would hope. You really would hope. And none of them look any more modern than the Galactica either. Well... Like I said in in one of the previous episodes, none of the ships, I mean, they all look so custom and unique. None of them look like they're kind of mass marketed or or mass produced. So I know that the designers wanted to stretch their artistic legs, but at least some of the ships should have been the same. It makes sense. But that's all right. They didn't contact us on that. They should have. They should have called us and said, hey, Jason, Red, what would you guys do? Well, I really think they're going to be doing a a new theatrical release, a total reboot of this series. And we have a website now. So That's true. We do. Smokinganddrinkinginspace.com. I believe we're available on iPod and where else now? iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, and Stitcher. There you go. So we're out there now, ladies and germs. We're out there. 
were way out there and not just in terms of (laughs) (laughs) on websites. All right. Well, that's all we have for this week. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. I'm Jason. This is Red. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next week. We do. Have a good one, guys.